Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 28. Did you have enough guys? Does anybody need a handout or like to have another one? If you do, flag your hand and they'll bring one to you. If we had it right back there, lady there. Just want to make sure everybody has one. At least one to a family. Genesis chapter 1 verse number 28. And um, just good to have everybody out with us today. Appreciate you being here. And want to encourage you in the Lord. <clears throat> Today is going to be more of a teaching message than it is anything else. Uh, I'll try to stay behind the pulpit because if I get away from the pulpit, the message starts to get long. Amen. Amen. So anyway, well, you all know that. Hopefully we'll get through this in good shape. Uh, not to re- be redundant, but uh, been pastoring here for 40 years, a little over. And for many years, probably 20 years, every year I preach this message. The how and why. How many, how many knows that? Okay. And uh, preached on the how and why of child discipline for over probably some 30 some years. And um, over the years, as I've learned more and gotten more balanced, you know, the message changes somewhat, but the Word of God never changes. Just you understand it better and apply it better. And uh, so we're going to be looking at two things this morning, the, ra- the bearing of children and the rearing of children. And so I uh, hope that you'll pray for me as I preach today and say what needs to be said and nothing more. Uh, first of all, I want to preach on the bearing, the, the bearing of children. And so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. A lot of people do not know that the very first commandment in the Bible to mankind was to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And that's in verse number 28. And I want you to know something. God blessed them. God blessed them. God intends for children to be a blessing. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you of something. That the first children that were born in this world, one of them, two brothers, one of them killed each other. <clears throat> you go all the way through the Bible, you'll find him brothers killing each other being horribly treated toward each other. You'll find all kinds of family problems and children problems. And this is never to say, you know, there's an ideal, but there's also a sin-cursed world you live in. Because we're all sinners and have a sin nature, uh, both parents and children. How many of you kids know your mom and dad are sinners? Raise your hand. All right, you need to, you need to get to that. My mom and dad, my daddy is not a perfect sinless man. That'll help you. That'll help you. Quit, quit holding your dad and mom to a standard that you wouldn't live yourself. Now, how many of you parents know that your kids are sinners? Oh, that little hands on that. You ought to keep that in mind. It, it, it might help you a little bit to remember that. But uh, God said here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he said that God blessed them and God said unto them, after, this is after you created them, he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish there. And it goes on down through there. Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1. Go to there. Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said something. Now, this is foundational. Genesis is foundational. And you may not believe this, but that's your choice. Where did she get her child from? From the Lord. I want to tell you something about conception and marital relationships it is a spiritual situation. Marital intimacy is involved 
in spiritual things. Satan wants you to think it's only a flesh situation. That's one of the biggest lies there ever was. It is a spiritual situation whereby God, whereby life is given. Now, God told Adam and Eve that, and of course, through Genesis 6, you find out the world became so wicked, God said, I'm going to destroy it. He saved Noah and his family out of it. And I want you to look at Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Brand new family started, brand new, brand new beginning of the human race. And look what God says, the first thing that God tells Noah to do. <clears throat> Genesis 9, 1. God blessed Noah. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, do what? Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Let me just say right off the bat here, it's not God's will for everybody to be married, but it is for most people, okay? And some of God's choicest vessels were people that were not married. God has special purposes in some lives that they're not, I don't know the answer to that, can't figure all that out, that's God's business. Uh, But I do know this, that God loves children. And God, when you think about this, he didn't say, now you go out there and be good people and do right and blah, blah, blah. First thing God said, be fruitful, multiply. He said, if he blessed them, if the same thing in Genesis 9, 1, God blessed them. God's saying, I want to bless you. I want to bless you with children. Now, <clears throat> I want to give you something that a lot of people don't grab hold of. In first, put up 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7. If you want to turn there, you can. You might want to mark it in your Bible. I want to show you something pretty wild here. Now, grace, its primary definition, on, uh, grace is multifaceted. It's like a diamond. It has, you know, you can, there's just such the wonder of God's grace is just almost indescribable. Its basic definition that you hear a lot of, and it's true, is the unmerited favor of Almighty God. Unmerited, but God favored us. We're saved by grace through faith, unmerited favor of God. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, God's talking primarily starts off with the wife and the woman and tells her all these things of wisdom of of godly women. Gets down there in verse number 7 and says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, your wife, according to knowledge. Now I say the man who writes a book on this, he'll get rich. Don't get too serious on me this morning, okay? Ain't nobody. (laughs) Dwell with them according to knowledge. Watch this, giving honor unto the wife. That, that doesn't sound like some of these, they, they try to make Christianity be out of, against women. I'm going to tell you something, but part, if it wasn't for Christianity, <clears throat> you women would be in a harem and packing water all day long. You better be glad for Christian. Biblical Christianity is the lifts and elevates womanhood to a level nothing else in this world does. But anyway, giving honor to wife as unto the weaker vessels. And watch this as being heirs together of the grace of life. What's the grace of life? Now, grace, another definition of grace is the desire and the power to obey God. When God's grace comes upon you, he will give you the desire to repent and the power to repent. He will give you the desire to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. And he'll give you the the desire to do that and the power to do that. Salvation is of the Lord. It's not of you. It's all grace. Grace is very, very powerful. Now watch this verse. He said that the the husband and wife will be heirs together of the grace of life. The grace of life. Now, now, I want you to hang on your hats. I'm going to try to be very discreet, but very honest. In the normal setting, God-given normal setting, 
you're going to grow up and you're going to get your teens and adolescence and so forth. And there's going to become a desire to have a mate. Did you know who gave that to you? God did. Did you know that in normal circumstances, you're going to have the power of life. When a husband and wife comes together, God has given them the desire to have children and the power to have children. And did you know that apart from you believing a bunch of garbage from the world, the most natural thing in the world is to want to have children. It's just God gives the desire to have children, but he also gives you the power to have children. It's a trust of the Lord. It's the grace of life. It's something God gives to a husband and wife, the grace of life. All right. Now, Ruth chapter four and verse 13, the Bible says about when Ruth conceived, the Bible said the Lord gave her conception. Now this, I'm going to say an introductory here, as I haven't been here all these years pastoring. When I first preached this back in the early nineties, I believe I never got such venom and hatred and talk against me as I did this. And they tried to tag this church as a cult because I preached what the Bible has to say about bearing children. I found out something that you want to get Satan's head stuck up out of his hole. Just start preaching on bearing children and rearing children for God and he will come at you. And I want to tell you something right now. It is not cultic to have children. It is a God given blessing. It is a gift. And it's not cultic to have lots of children. My mother came from a family of 15. Is that wicked? Was that wicked? Did you know it used to be before, I mean, back in American history, it was just common to have 8, 10, 12, 15 children. That was common. And parents considered that their blessing and their wealth. In fact, right now you hear nations talking about their birth rate ratio. And they know, anybody that knows anything knows your birth rate ratio goes down. Your country is facing getting trouble. But anyway, uh, Ruth 4.13, so Boaz took Ruth. She was his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception. I want you to pick up something. You you go all the way back to Genesis. And by the way, there there are not hundreds, but probably dozens of verses that implicate this, that life comes from God. Now, he has given you when your creation, the desire, that fleshly desire, that, uh, that, uh, that intimacy desire, to, but, and it's also, but the power to have conception. But it's the Lord that gives that. I won't get into this one, but if you check and go through Genesis, you'll find out that God both opens and closes wombs. That's in your Bible. God had shut up the wombs. God opened the wombs. And I don't have time to go, but if you just go and study uh, the word conception, conceive, womb, stuff like that, and go through the Bible on that, it'll shock you. But the basic principle is that God gives conception. That's why no matter, now look at this to me, you're not living in heaven. You're in a sin-cursed, vile, wicked, mean, horrible world. That is cursed like nobody's business. And there's a lot of stuff goes on that God never intended to go on. But that's why even in incest or rape, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, God gives life. 
And there's all kinds of testimonies of people that came in this world through bad situations that have been a great blessing to many people. And you and I don't have that. We do not have the authority nor the right to destroy life. Amen. Life is God given. Amen. And I want to say this to you today. We better get a hold of this. Abraham and Sarah. Think about this. They were what, 90 and 99? God gave conception. Take it straight in the New Testament. Elizabeth and, and who? Uh, her husband. Uh, Zacharias. God gave conception. We need to get this down. Can I just tell you right now? God is one who has, has the right and the authority about bearing children. And if we're not careful, we're wanting to take that right away from God and say, God, I'm going to be my own God and, I'm going to tell, and we're going to decide what's going to happen. Now, I'm not here to beat you over the head about that. But I am here to say this, that you might, it's not what happens to you, it's what you miss by not obeying God. Amen. Psalms 127, put that up on the deal. I want to show you something here today. This is very, very important. Lo, children belong to me and my husband. Mm-mm. They're a heritage of the Lord. This makes having children and raising children one of the most primarily critical things that you'll ever deal with in your life. The fruit of the womb, God told him what? Be fruitful and the fruit of the womb is whose reward? God's reward. Whenever Hannah asked God to give her a child, what did she say she would do? Think about this. I'll give him back to you. And she did that and the prophet Samuel came about as a woman who understood this concept. As arrows, watch this, in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. This is the honest truth. We're going to, boy, Lord, help me keep trucking. Watch this. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. If you were going out to battle, would you want two arrows or seven? Or twelve? Now, I want you to look, it says, happy is the man. A man who's biblically minded, loves God, under, and has the wisdom, he doesn't go, oh no, you mean we're having another baby? He <laughs> doesn't ever act like that. He understands that children are a blessing. Amen. Are they, can it be rough? Ask my mom and dad. Can it be hard? Yes. The greatest struggles probably you'll ever have is in raising your children. But they're so precious. That's why there's such a battle about it. Satan knows the value of them. All right. Happy is a man that have his equipment full. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. God says, I want you to raise up children that will have the ability. By the way, you remember something about Lot set in the gate? It was a position of influence. God wants our children to influence this world for righteousness sake. That's why there's always been a battle about children. Uh, you need to ask yourself a question before we get going to this message. Can I trust God about the issue of having children? Can I trust God about it? Just ask yourself that question while I'm preaching. Satan has an ongoing war on children since the beginning of time. Satan hates kids. Hates babies. He hates them. They're created in the image of God. They're a blessing from God. And they can be powerful weapons against Satan's kingdom. And he knows it. I want you to go back with me to Pharaoh. Egypt is a picture of the world. Pharaoh's a type of Satan. What was Pharaoh's attitude toward children? Throw them in the Nile River. Let the crocodiles eat them. Isn't this fun? 
They hated children. They hated a godly seed so bad that they put an edict out to kill every male baby born. That's why Moses was hid in the Nile River. I want you to think about Moses' mom and dad. Is Moses a very important? Did you know what amazes me? If you went through American education system, you won't hear nothing about Moses. You can go 12 grades and not hear nothing about Moses. Maybe you might hear something about Ten Commandments. Moses, one of the most important men in history. And if you have, if your educational experience hasn't taught you something about Moses, you did not have a good education. Moses, one of the greatest leaders of all time. But Moses had some parents who understood God. They were slaves in Egypt. Are you listening to me? They were in bondage in Egypt. And a male child was ordered to be killed. And yet they had a boy. That's called trusting God. And where would this world be without Moses? I mean, what if, what if they had said, you know what, boys, we're living in bad times. I just don't think I've had I've had parents tell married couples tell me this till I'm tired of hearing it. Well, Reggie, I'll tell you what, I sure wouldn't want to bring old children in this world. I'll tell you what this world needs. It needs some children that knows God breathed up in this world. It was in a bad time when that but Satan hates kids. You come up to the time Jesus was born. Herod, what did he have done to all the male babies? Killed them. I'm telling you, this world and Satan, what's why does this world want all the babies aborted? Why is there such a fight with these Democrats up there in Congress always wanting to kill babies, always wanting to kill babies? Let me listen to me this morning. I tell you what, if you're a Democrat, you ought to be ashamed. Amen. And not much better than being a Republican, but at least the Republicans don't have in their platform to kill babies and marry sodomites. Amen. And you need to raise up and get involved in political process so we've got somebody standing in the gap. They, all they think about is Abortion, kill them, kill them, kill them, kill them, kill them, kill them. They fight for it like, like they died. They kill babies. What's the matter with those people? Amen. Unbiblical. Amen. Hate children. By the way, you know who's behind it all? Satan. Amen. Behind it all, Satan. Now I'm telling you this morning, listen, this is a serious, serious issue. The abortionists of our day are just like Pharaoh. They're just like Herod. Kill them. Yeah. <clears throat> Satan would have them killed in the womb. Conceived out of wedlock without fathers. And if they are born, send them out like lambs among wolves. Just this week, and I'm on a vomit when I think about this. I tell you, some of these sodomite characters that are in high political offices are being found out. One of them had 290 some thousand images of abused, sexually abused children on his computer. I'm going to tell you something right now. Sodomites are in that satanic crowd of hatred of babies. And all they want a baby for and adopt a baby for is to abuse it. That's what it's all about. They're the ones that's that's coming out. They're the ones that's got all this wicked, vile, satanic, hellish stuff. And they want children to abuse them. You tell tell Reg Kelly said that. I stand by it. Amen. 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 you, You sodomites don't scare me. At all. The judgment of God is going to fall upon you. And I tell you, you need to repent. And I mean, repent deep to the core of your soul. Repent. Stop it today. That's what repent means. Stop it and turn another way. 
I'm sick to death. Twice this week, there's been reports coming out. I mean, even right here in towns close to us, resting these guys and women over here at Ava, a woman selling her daughter, little old daughter, to a bunch of perverts. She got arrested this past week at Ava. It's all around us. Now, I'm going to say again for this church, but I love you. I, I pray, oh God, help me to preach this message in the good spirit. But I'll tell you right now, if you ever abuse one of your children, I'll be the first one to want to knock your teeth this straight down your throat. Right. Amen. But I know I ain't supposed to be a striker, so I'll get Bill to do it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something about this church. Every child of people who go to church here ought to be safe and protected and guarded by their mother and their father. You be careful where you're sending your kids. Somebody keep your kids. I never dreamed I'd have to preach such stuff as this. Isn't this sick? Satan hates with venom biblical marriage and biblical morality and the biblical family and he hates your children. Biblical convictions on bearing. Then I want to say something to you. There is no biblical basis for interfering and playing God with drugs or surgery or any other method to prevent conception. You say, Reggie, I don't agree with you. Help yourself. We need to learn to receive children as a precious gift from God and know that it's his heritage. Keep God above your own mind, above your own passions and above your own pleasures and above well-meaning people in your life. Say, Reggie, just give me some reasons to bear children. God commands it. Be fruitful. God sees it as a blessing. He says children are a blessing. Another reason, children will destroy your self-life. <laughs> You'll start thinking about somebody else besides yourself. Amen. Amen. Children will affect destinies of nations. Look at Moses and Abraham. And I want to say something. Children enriches life. Amen. Not just in your family. What would this church be without its children? I'll tell you what I have. <laughs> Every time somebody, te- te- somebody send me a message or a letter says, oh, Reggie, they visited church. So we had such a blessed time. Can't remember what you preached on, but I'll tell you, never seen so many kids in my life. <laughs> they don't remember what I preached. I said, that's fine. But I said, never seen so many kids in my life. And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to know one reason why God has blessed this church, it's because this church loves babies and loves children. And we encourage them and we don't go around, well, how many are you going to have? Don't you know how to fix it? That's why man, I heard twins, amen, double up, amen, double up, <laughs> amen. You don't know what God, hey, do you think Moses' mom and daddy knew what God was going to do with him? No, but they in faith did what God said to do and God took over. Amen. You never know who you're holding on your lap. Jesus said, suffer little children to come unto me. Jesus loved the little children. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 14. Now I want you to look at this verse. First Timothy 5, 14. I will therefore that the younger women marry. Now you say, well, I'd like to. <laughs> right guy come along. Well, he may someday. Look at what it says. I will therefore the young women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some are already turned aside after Satan. And it goes on there with that. Go to Titus chapter 2, verse number 4 and 5. Let's look at that Titus chapter 2. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. That the word of God, why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. 
just because you've grown up in an unbiblical culture and have not really sought out the Lord about the issue or the subject does not make what the world's doing right. Being open to God's word, I encourage you today, be open to God's word and just say, Lord, you know what? I don't much care for Reg, don't like his personality, but I'll tell you what I do like your word. And I do believe you have my best in mind, so I'm going to try to pick the roses out of the thorns. You need to get a little confidence in your Christian faith in the Bible. Amen. As Americans, we've given away this biblical heritage, that, that vacuum of truth has been filled with cruel and sadistic and devastating philosophies out of hell concerning children and marriage and the home and the family. Nothing has done more damage to our nation as the loss of the biblical principles in the raising and the training of our children. Amen. Between the breakdown of the biblical marriage institution and the terrible results of the ch to the children as a result of it, we're under judgment. Now we see the murder of babies being commonly supported and, and used as political points to get votes. Not only the murder of babies, but the abuse of children the neglect of children, the rejection of children, the turning of our children over to daycare centers and worldly schools to train and inculcate their, their worldview. As a result, our judicial system is now clogged. Yes. Family services is overloaded. Yes. Prisons are full and running over. And we've raised a group of slothful, rebellious right. young people going down into a black hole of drugs, liquor, and immorality. Yep. And on down to hell. And as a result of that, we've seen a loss of parental control and parental authority in this country to the point of where you're scared now to give your child a spanking for fear that you might wind up in jail or lose them. Right. Yep. I believe this, that you'll never know the joy and fulfillment of becoming and doing God's will. And the maturity and the responsibility given to children, amazing responsibility that God gives us in raising children. As I said, I may say some things that are contrary to our culture, and I will. But I'm going to, I may say some things that upset people, and I will. Preaching that don't upset nobody. I'm pretty sorry preaching. Amen. But I'm going to say this. It's never been my goal to make people happy or please you. It's been my goal to please God and do what He called me to do, and that's preach the Word of God. Now, I know that'll help you in the end. Uh, I want to have a sweet spirit about it. I want to help us, not hurt us. I want to be a blessing and not a curse. And as Paul told the ones in the epistles several times, he said, this is not for your destruction. God's word is the final and ultimate authority in all matters of life, time, eternity. And God's got a lot to say about training and rearing children, disciplined children. We need to listen and obey. There's a massive spiritual warfare in this area of training, rearing, discipline, and correction of children. And Satan will work within the marriage and within the mind and the culture to wreck and ruin your children. By neglect of God's principles, abuse, ignorance, preoccupation, divorce and division, or false philosophies. Marriage is a mighty fine thing. It's the crown of God's creation. It's the basic institution of the home. And you need to have your hearts knit together as couples. And you listen to me. You need to talk and discuss before you get married about having children and raising children. Be together on the Word of God. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Now listen, you get married to just liable for kids to be born. Amen? <laughs> liable for kids to be born. It's a life-changing experience. I've encouraged having children, letting God determine the number, and staying away from human interference. Now, 
I want to, if you have your hand out, we're going to run through that and we're going to roll and go right now. You, sh- you need to have it on the one where it says biblical principles of child training. That's one you need. And you're going to fill in here. And guys, have these verses up ahead of me if you can. We're going to start with number one, though. But uh, let's, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 2 if you don't care. Go to 1 Samuel. I want to show you something here. Whew, man, is it, am I the only one hot in here? Is it hot? You're hot too? Mercy sakes alive. Now I want you to watch this. Now, Eli was a priest. In the New Testament, it says that a bishop or a pastor must have his children under subjection with all authority. Okay? Eli was a priest. His sons were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Just because you've been raised in this church doesn't mean you know the Lord. Watch this. And the priest's custom was the people that when the man, any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came with the flesh and seed him with a flesh hook and three teeth in his hand. He struck it in the pan of kettle, cauldron, in the pot and put the flesh hook up and all that the flesh hook brought the priest took for himself. So they didn't shallow into all the Israelites that came. And what was basically happening was they were using their ministerial position to get money out of people and rip people off. And they'd stick that three-cornered deal in that meat and then they'd send that meat down to be sold at the market and they were getting rich off people's offerings. I don't have time to go into all this, but what it was, there's a bunch of thieves and jerks and worthless no counts, and they were running the church house. All right, watch this here. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said, The man that sacrificed, give flesh to roast for the priest, for he would not have slot and flesh and leave it raw. Any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the freak, as much as my soul desires. He'd answer, Nay, but thou shalt give it to me now, and if not, I'll take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, and for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel ministered to the Lord before being a child of 11 years. Now, let's go up uh, uh, to verse, um, guys, go on to the next verse I've got up there. Now, Eli was very old. Watch this. Now, parents, watch this. Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel. Watch this now. How they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Y'all see what's going on? Eli was a high priest, led the worship services of the nation Israel. He had neglected the raising of his own children. And his own sons took the ministry and turned it into a profiteering and pleasure trip. And they were taking advantage and they were messing with women who came down to the temple area. Bad situation. And he said to them, why, this is, here's, and Eli said to his sons, why do you such things? For I hear of your evil deeds by all these people. Now watch verse 24. Nay, my sons, for it's no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge should judge him. But a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. And God did kill them boys. But further than that, God cursed Eli's generations. And I don't have time to go into all that because he did not train his children. Now you listen to me. The best you're going to do, as I said this morning, Adam and Eve, the first couple, one of their sons killed the other. You say, well, they must not have been very good parents. Might have been better parents than me and you. I don't know. You can do your best. Here's what you need to know. You need to know that you did right before the Lord raised your children. They have their personal responsibility after they're grown. And I'm going to tell you something. You go all the way through the Bible and find out that people who had the same mom and dad and the same raising turned out way different from one another. And that, that's just a fact of this sin-cursed world. So now, uh, let's go to 1 Samuel 3. Did I get 1 Samuel 3, verse 11 through 14? 
1 Samuel 3, 11 through 14. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'll do a thing in Israel, which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. And that day I will perform against Eli all things which are spoken current sounds. When I begin, I'll make an end. Watch this, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Now watch this, because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. One of the worst sins you and I can commit is to know that our children are in sin and restrain them not. All right, now let's go down to chapter four, verse number 17. And then we're going to take off on this deal below. Chapter four, verse 17. Messenger answered that Israel fled before the Philistines and there have been a great slaughter among the people and thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas are dead. The ark of God is taken. A lot of bad things happen here. That's why in the book of Timothy, Paul said that a pastor raises his children with gravity and, uh, and, and obedience and, so, and forth on follow the biblical principles of child rearing. Now, number one, this first page you got is why. You fill in the blanks, all right? Anybody need one? We've got extras up here. Children need correction because they're filling in the bank naturally sinful. I hate to tell you this, but that baby you're holding your arms is not an angel. They're bad angels too, amen. <laughs> so put up Psalm 58.3. There you go. Watch this. The wicked are estranged from when? The womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Wah! 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 Go in there. What's wrong? What's wrong? I mean, nothing wrong. Just wanted you to come. How many knows that? How many knows a baby can lie to you? A baby can lie to you. They, they, it's in them. They've got a sin nature in them. They need correction because that I never forget. Van was born. I was 11 years old. And he, mom had this bassinet in there in, in the mom and dad's bedroom. And I mean, one day, believe this or not, Van was crying and he's a crying and he's a crying. And I mean, I never heard such a set of lungs. <laughs> and I told my mom, I said, mom, something's wrong. You need to help Van. Something wrong. I was all worried about it. She said, you just mind your own business. <laughs> Said he needs to cry that out and find out that I ain't going to come running every time he goes squealing. Some of you need to learn that, amen. That's why he's such a good guy today, because he had a good mama. <laughs> but I just happened to be alive at that time. I, I, I just observed that. I literally was like, well, I need to do something for Van. He's, a, he's hurting, boy. He's in bad shape. No, no, you leave him alone. He's got to find out that everybody's not coming. And Some of you need to learn that your children is not God Almighty. All right, look at Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Whoa, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Now notice the word rod. That's not a steel rod. What is a rod? I'll show you in the Bible. Aaron's rod that budded. What was that? That was a branch. That's why your grandpa knew what a switch was. A rod. Look what it says. Foolishness is bound. It's not going to be easy to unbind the foolishness of your child. All right. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. A rod is a switch. It's, it's, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not your hand. You'll never find God promoting or, or advocating to hit a child with your hand. Never. You hit them with a neutral object and you hit them in the right place. I tell you what, you, you, I've been preaching. I got to think about all this stuff. And one of the stupidest, funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Hey, I'll get this pretty soon. But don't put on no show about whipping your kids to nobody. 
Don't try to convince anybody how good a parent you are because you went wham, 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 wham against them diapers and they didn't feel nothing. And you made yourself so good because you went wham, 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 wham. That child's going. You can do nothing. Quit making yourself look good and feel good because you think you're impressing people by how well you make your children behave. Hang on to your hat now. Amen. All right, look at Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. It said, Wherefore, but one man sinned and entered the world, and death was in, so death passed for all men, for all them babies have sinned. Amen. All have sinned. All right, number two, lack of early discipline. This is the big key. If you're going to learn something here today, get a hold of this quick. Early discipline, lack of that leads to public shame later. Look at Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother shame. By the way, there's nothing wrong with some biblical shame. You ought to be ashamed if your child's spoiled rotten. You ought to be ashamed if your child don't listen to you. You ought, you ought to be ashamed if your child doesn't obey you. You're out here on, on, on the highway. Your child runs across the yard, runs after a ball that went out in the road. And you say, don't do that, don't do that. And the child says, I never had to obey it before. I'm not, I'm not minding you now. And runs out the road, gets hit with a truck. It's important to teach him to mind. Gives wisdom. Child left himself, bring the mother shame. Uh, go to Proverbs 28, verse number 7. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of wise men shameth his father. Proverbs 10, 1. Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Parents need to learn these verses, really lay them to heart. Uh, number three, parents should begin early at home. Begin early at home. Now, I can't overemphasize this enough. Begin early at home to correct and discipline. Go to Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That word betimes means when he's little. He was little. He said, I just... uh." Now, listen to me. And if you want some help, uh, there's a book over there called uh, Training Up a Child. There's other deals in there to help you in raising children. But I'm going to tell you this right now. If you've got this sitting in the floor of your house, oh, we need something like that. But your child walks over and goes. And you say, don't do that. And you go over here and put it up again. And what's that child going to do? Now, you say, Reggie, how do I stop that? Can I tell you something? Do not wait to come to church to start disciplining your children. You're way down the road late. And here's what you're going to do. Go out in your yard, get you a little old uh, switch about an eighth of an inch to a quarter inch thick. Little old short thing. When that child, after the third or fourth time you've told them, no, don't touch that. When he reaches his hand, take that and hit that like that and go, no. That's training. Most time people are centered on, when I first started preaching this, I was all on discipline. Forgot the part about training. Discipline children that have not been trained is futile. It'll bring terrible, destructive things. Do not discipline without training. And so you're training that you tried to get them to listen to your voice first. Then after three or four times of disobedience, you take that little switch, you hit them across like just enough, it'll sting good. And they're going to go. Right? And then they're going to do it again. And you're going to go. And they're going to look at you like. And you know what they're going to look at you like? 
Nobody's going to tell me what I can do or can't do. That's the look they're going to give you. And you're going to have to smile and go, I am. (laughs) And he's going to reach for that again. And you go. And you're going to look at your clock and say, oh, I need to be down here at the golf course. Mama, you take this. Uh Uh-uh. You're going to say it's time for church. Listen to me. We got to get to church. Uh Uh-uh. You stay right there till that battle is won. Till that child finally, it ain't worth it no more. That's what you do. That's called be times. You do it early. You do it at home. Okay. Now, let me tell you something. It's a wonderful Sunday when you bring your child in the first time. But let me just say something blanketly here. If you're going to have children, you have children that are going to do things in church that's going to aggravate you and embarrass you and ain't going to be fun. I'm going to get to some of that a little bit of how to handle it in the church. But anyway, let's go on here. Early at home. Let's look at Proverbs 19:18. Did we get that? Yeah. Oh, watch this one. Chasing thy son while there's hope. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. That's why I saw about like Van. I go, oh, this child right here, he's going to cry and wail and go on like you're killing him. You ain't killing him. Uh-huh. Hope not. <laughs> now listen to me. Don't abuse a child. Don't be taking something that God didn't say. Don't be taking your hand and beating on him. I said, that's abuse. Amen. Most of the time that's done in anger. You're the one sinning at this point. You're the one that needs the correction, not them. God says you use a neutral object. Your hand is made for love and correction and, co- and caressing and tenderness and love. That sticks. What they'll see that you raise that stick up there. I go. But your hand, they'll just walk up like this. See, teach that child. The hand is for love. Sticks for correction. All right, now. So let's look at uh, Isaiah 28, verse number 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. That's early in life. For precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Why, son, make the glad father. Teach your children verses. Help them memorize verses. Make them feel part of the family and help them memorize. They may just get part of it, but help them memorize the word of God. And, and get it into the heart. All right, let's go to number four. We're, wise biblical discipline is an indication of love. Proverbs 13, 34. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That means again early. If you don't whip your children, you don't love them. God says that. I don't care what you think. You say, well, my children are so good, they don't need whoopings. <laughs> I hope so. I'm glad for you. Pray for the rest of us. Amen. <laughs> Uh, Hebrews 12, we won't read all that, but God says he scourgeth and he chastises and scourges every son whom read. They ain't no children of God to get with that without getting a whooping. All right. Let's go on down to number six. Discipline will fail if it's not consistent. Proverbs 22, 8. Proverbs 22, 8. It will fail if it's not consistent. For, for he that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity and the rod of his anger shall fail. Don't miss this verse. Don't miss this verse. The rod, that's that switch of the daddy or the mother's anger. It's going to fail to do the job. It will not work. You flew into a rage, and, but, but, but you know, they did something they've been doing for six weeks. And all of a sudden you, you came home, you was mad, you was upset. Things ain't been going right. And all, that child does something irritate you and you start whipping that child in anger. God said, that will not work. It's not going to work. It'll fail. Number, did I skip number five? Well, I'll tell you, I was trying to hurry. <laughs> well, okay, let's, let's back up there. Chastisement, should, thank you, Brother Phil, should always be for the child's good. Not because you're mad, not because you're having a bad day. Amen. Amen. 
Hebrews 12, it, he, the Lord teaches that Hebrews 12. Take time to read that if you would. So not, but always for the child good, not just because you're mad or upset or you aren't feeling good or whatever you want some time on, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I think about John Wesley and his brother. You sing a lot of his brother's songs and, and Charles Wesley. It, it's, I mean, they had an impact. They were part of the first great awakening in America. She had, what was it, 21 kids. Did you know she took time every week to spend alone with each one of those kids? Praying with them, talking to them about the Lord, teaching them. And what did God do with her sons? Shook the earth with them. It, this is not no little deal right here. Uh, number seven, discipline will fail if parents are not a good example. There's some good scriptures there you can look to those about. But if you're not going, if you're going to do the very thing you're condemning your child for doing, that's hypocrisy. The child will see it and First thing you know, you just, you just, did you know, see a whooping without biblical guidelines and, and basis will just harden a child. Yeah. I, I've talked to kids before. They say, well, I got to where I didn't even cry. I got to where I could steal myself up. I didn't cry no more. Wasn't doing no good. Now I want you to tell you something more about this issue about, well, it ain't done no good. You better back up. God says it will. You better back up and figure out how you're doing. Where'd you, where'd, you, where'd you turn the wrong road on it? Back up, get back to the Bible and say, Lord, something's not working here like it ought to, but I'm not going to throw out the Bible just because it doesn't seem to be working. I'm going to go back and find out what I need to do to correct this situation. Discipline will fail if it's not consistent. Let me just tell you something. If it was wrong last week, it ought to be wrong this week. Don't, 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 don't make sure and think they don't have no clue when they're going to get a whip. They don't know, they don't, they don't know what kind of mood you're going to be in. Be consistent with it. Number seven, discipline will fail if parents are, are not good examples. It will. Amen. Number eight, parents must be at odds, may, <laughs> must not be at odds or in favoritism toward their children. I would say this is one of the most important things. You need to really get it. Children are different. Uh, Genesis chapter 27, I believe it is, uh, Isaac and Rebecca. How many knows what happened there? It was in two boys, Esau and Jacob. What's the Bible say? Rebecca loved Jacob. And Isaac loved Esau. There was a division in that family and it caused trouble beyond your imagination. Everything from jealousy to fighting and, and, and dislocation. I mean, there, there's a whole row of things that the favorite do not favor your children. Now, I'll tell you something I know. There's a tendency as you get on down to the younger children, you've had six or seven, to go a little easier on the younger ones. A little bit easier to go hard on the first ones and easier on the You've matured. It's, it kinda, it's, it's hard to keep from that. But be careful about that. Do not, but do not show favoritism about your children. That'll destroy somebody. Do you know something? God is no respecter of persons. He loves you just as much as he loves me. Loves me just as much as he loves you. God is not a, a, a respecter of persons. Number eight. Parents must, uh, and number nine, the, God's word promises a blessing and a reward to parents that are faithful in this area. And that's so important. Now, remember that we put down the why because they need it and God has ordained it. We're sinners. We need correction. We need training and we need discipline to break us from our sinful habits. Now, uh, discipline is only, you fl- flip the page and we're going to give the how of proper, dis- proper child discipline. Number one, in obedience to God. You just have to say, Lord, I'm going to obey you in this area. Proverbs twenty two fifteen, twenty two fifteen. Foolishness bound the heart of a child, rod of correction, drive it far from him. You have to believe that. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. He that spareth his rod hated the son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him be time. Proverbs twenty three thirteen. Withhold not correction from the child. For, watch this. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. 
Now it's going to tell you the honest truth then. You've heard me say it, but I'm going to say it. And the older I get, the more I understand it and I'm able to see what all God was doing. But my dad beat me with the rod at 13 years of age and a whooping that some of you in here would, would, would scream about. But I can still remember him after he had... Now, my daddy, no, he probably never heard this preached. My, I, my dad called me down from upstairs, set me on an ottoman in front of his platform rocker where he had been reading the paper, laid that paper aside. He said, tell me the truth, what's going on in school, and I don't want nothing but the truth. I started spitting out that, but, 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 and he hit me with his hand. Okay? He hit me with his hand and rolled me clear across that living room. Now, I'm not talking maybe. Did. When I rolled around, I, I, I was like, oh, I, I was kind of like that old boxer that, that uh, uh, Tyson Fury hit. I didn't know what land I was in. But when I did get my bearings, he was pulling his belt off. Yep. And he said, I'm your daddy and I love you. And he said, you're at a breaking point. He said, I'm going to give you the whooping of your life. I'm not having this. I'm the man that's responsible for you. I love you. And he jerked me up by the left hand and me and him did a hillbilly dance for quite a while. And he was, calling the, he was calling the dance. And he whooped me and whooped me and whooped me and whooped me. And he whipped the rebellion out of me. Amen. And I want to tell you the honest truth. The Lord only knows a thousand times I thought this was going to happen. I believe I'd be in hell today had been my dad doing what the Bible said right there. You can say what you want to, but you weren't there and you don't know and you don't know my life and you don't know the effect they had on me. Next morning I come down to the foot of the stairs. He handed me his case pocket knife, said, go cut me a switch. I'm not done. You're getting another whipping before you go back to school. You ain't never forget this day. and You're going to be a different man when you walk through the doors of that school. I'm glad I had a dad like that. I had one of the greatest dads ever walked to the face of this earth as far as I'm concerned. I have absolutely utmost respect for him. You know something I didn't think about? Well, he'd, he'd hate me. He don't love me. He blah, blah, blah. Down in my soul, down in my spirit, I knew there was nobody loved me like my dad. Nobody. I look back at it now and I'm telling you, he changed the course of history and eternity for me doing what the Bible said. Amen. I don't believe I, I wouldn't be in the ministry today. I'd probably be being hell. Number two, real love will pay the price. Hebrews chapter 12 talks again. I've always said this kind of funny. My dad was juvenile officer. I didn't have anybody to call. <laughs> That's the truth. He was. He was a juvenile officer. Things have changed, folks. Things have changed. Proverbs twenty thirty. Whom the Lord loveth, he chases. Scourgeth every son whom he resists. Scourge. You know what scourge is? That's bad whooping. In Proverbs 20, verse number 30. Blueness. Watch this verse. Blueness of the wound cleanses the way evil, so do stripes inward part of the belly. Now, I, I hate to say this, but it's almost from a point where you're afraid for, you know, somebody might, if you whipped your children, it's almost a point where you're afraid. And I'll tell you something that makes me so mad. I mean, I want to spit nails. I know that there's abused children out here. You bet. But unless there is absolute evidence, but what burns me off was, and this ever happened to one of my kids, I'll tell you what, it'd be like a tornado went through a schoolhouse. For a teacher or anybody else at that school to make that child pull his britches down in front of them. No, you don't do that. You call me and my wife first. You, we're going to be there. We better wake up in this country. Amen. 
Who are you turning your kids over to anyway? What do you really know about those people that's talking to your child every single day of their life? What do you really know about what they're doing, what they believe? Huh? Love will pay the price. There's many passages of scripture there. Let's go to number three, because we've got to roll. God does not qualify his commands and precepts on the basis of personality and special cases. You can say, well, my child's different. Maybe just still sinner, still needs correction. Amen. I mean, kids are different. Some, some do have wind up, you do have more whippings. They just have stronger spirit. Can I say something to you? That strong spirited child of yours that really seemed to be a problem may be the one God wants to use. Yes. He just needs training. He just needs training. All right. Um, number four, and I didn't preach this when I first started preaching this message, but we ought to have 10 to 1 ratio of praise over criticism. One of my grandsons yesterday come over and, and uh, we went out to work and uh, we have a resaw and I had, a, I had quite a bit of probably, I'd say about 440 inch boards from four to six inches wide oak and just me and him and he fed that resaw and I'll tell you what, he stayed with me to the end. And I'll tell you one thing I did when I got done, I said, you did a fabulous job. When kids do something right, praise them. Tell them. Don't just tell them when they've done something wrong. (laughs) You know what he did with one board? He turned it up up like this and went, zoom! (laughs) That thing fell off there. Did I jump on him about that? No. He's doing the best he could. It was up about this high to his head. Trying to put that through there. You say, well, you're making kids work too hard. No, I ain't either. <laughs> they need to learn how to work. Amen? Amen. I tell you, your kids will sleep good if you work them hard. Amen. Anyway, have a 10 to 1 praise. Praise You say, well, I don't know anything to praise my kid about. Oh, you ain't looking good enough. Amen? Amen. And I'll tell you another thing. Look in their eyes once and say, I'm so glad God sent you in our family. Tell them. I'm thankful God sent you to our family. I'm be careful about what I say here. This past week, I happened to run across a letter of my wife that she wrote me shortly after Suzanne was born and how she was so grateful to God how he had sent us another child. Honey, I want to tell you, I appreciate you having a good attitude like that. But she was just expressing to me how grateful she was that God sent us a child later on in our marriage. I could say things this morning, but I, I've got to go. Number seven, number six, Number five, (laughs) I'm sorry. Establish personal responsibility for conduct. Don't just whoop them. Tell them why, what's going on first. Tell them what's going on first. Establish personal responsibility. If a child doesn't have no responsibility, he might do something no, he wasn't supposed to do it. He might, it might, but some things you might not pick up on. Personal responsibility for conduct. Galatians 6, 7. We sow what we reap. Number six, get alone with disciplined children. I cannot, cannot overemphasize this. Get alone with children. Don't whip them in front of the other children. And mom and dad, if it's at all possible, be there with them. Both of you. We're going to get into some things here pretty soon. Get alone. Do not whip your children in public. Parent, I'll tell you, it'll, it'll devastate your child. Bad enough, they got in trouble and then everybody else watching them. If you ain't careful, they're thinking about that instead of what you're wanting to train. Don't do that. Get alone. Number seven, parents should express true grief and sorrow over child disobedience. I mean, if it's that bad that they need a whipping, you ought to be sorrowful and grieving at that, of what happened. 
You never act like you're tickled. Oh, goody, I'd get to give you a whooping today. We'll do that. I'll tell you what, I never did enjoy it. Never did. It grieved me to have to give a whooping. It ought to grieve you. Number eight, associate love with correction. Whom he loveth, he correct. Tell him you love him. Now, as I went along, I, 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 as I said, I could write a book on the failures of parents, but I can remember and some of my kids sitting them on my lap and talking to them about what they'd done and tell them, I'm going to have to give you a whooping. I don't want to, but I got to. You're going to have to learn. And um, I love you. My dad didn't say that to me in a quiet voice, but he told me he loved me. Number nine, exemphasize your parental responsibility. You do have a responsibility as a parent. Number 10, this is very important. Again, use a neutral object, a rod or a switch. Number 11, break the will but not the spirit. This is very critical. Wounded spirit, who can bear? Be very critical. You, you want to break the will but not the spirit of the child. Now this is dicey territory, but you, you can get it if you'll watch it. Don't, it's bet, I would say it's better to, to go under than go over. Less than more. Don't break the spirit. You want that child to have a spirit, but you don't want that child just walking around like a zombie. His spirit broken. That's, that's not biblical discipline at all. Okay. Number 12. Don't apologize for biblical discipline. Apologize for unbiblical discipline. I've had to apologize to my children before for whipping them either in anger or not knowing the whole situation. By the way, do some investigating. And by the way, mom and dad be together on everything. If you disagree, get out of sight of the children, go into a side room, go outside, visit about it, say, well, what did you see? What happened? But mom and dad needs to be together. A child will quickly work dad against mom if he, if he figures that that'll get him out of a whooping. Get together on things. Be of one mind together. If you can't get together, maybe bear back up to you can understand things right. But I'm telling you something. Be careful about that. Number 13, establish the child's responsibility for restitution. This will have to come later. I always think of Brother Danny telling about the time he, uh, Brother Danny, probably here, but he said it here in church for us. I think it'd be all right. He stole a candy bar up here at Mansfield, and by the time he got home, he decided to take it out and eat it. And his mom looked over at him and said, Where'd you get that? He said, I stole it at the grocery store. (laughs) And his mom just turned right around. He, He had an awful nice mother in Geneva, my dad's sister. Just turned the car around, went back up there, and made him walk in and tell them people that he had stole the candy bar from them. Made him pay for it. Face the music. That'll do a child some good. Daddy didn't turn out too bad. Amen? Because he had a mother, father who established responsibility, restitution. You tear something up, you ought to have to pay for getting it fixed. That'll fix you, amen? Number 14, pray with the child before and after the discipline. Pray with them before and pray with them afterward. Don't just let them jump off your lap and head out. Pull them up tight. Pull them up tight and pray with them. Do it while they're young. Number 15, be willing to admit your wrongs about a matter. There's been times and will be times when you didn't know the whole facts. You didn't know the whole, whole situation. You might have made a mistake. You may have to fix that. Apologize to your child and say, listen, daddy didn't know about that. Or daddy didn't understand that. Or, or daddy was wrong about that. 
You'll teach a lot of things there. Number 16, you must reject the world's philosophies. Dr. Spock don't, Spock don't know nothing about raising children. You'll get, don't you sit and listen to War for Wimpy and all that crowd tell you how to raise kids. They don't know nothing. And you see down there in the bottom, never give a child anything it cries for. You're just buying peace. And the price will get more expensive the older you get. Yeah, I'm going to give you a few things and I'm going to get out of here. Man, alive. Number one, let's get down to the middle. Running and playing in church. Don't allow it. Church ought to be a wonderful place for kids to come to. A place they look forward to coming to, but you don't let your kids run in church. There needs to be a certain sacredness about the auditorium here. What do you want to call it? Okay. And if, and, and if you've got a child, they'll probably do that. But you teach them some sacredness. You don't let them just ring around playing tag and running and chasing each other in church. All right. Just don't let it happen. And I know that a lot of times we just, you know, don't mean anything by it, but don't do that. You need to teach. There's two things. First child, child needs to be taught. Number one is attentiveness, attentiveness. Your child needs to be very attentive to your voice and your face. My mother could control us with her face. I've said many a time. We were set usually behind mom and she turned her head that far to the left. You was right near a whooping. She did not mean for you to be no nonsense going on in church. Now we get outside, we can tear up the ground, plow it up if you want to, but you ain't doing it in church house. Amen. Teach obedience and attentiveness. Teach to obey the first time, not the 30th time. Comes in there and says, Johnny, stop that. Johnny, I said, stop that. Johnny, I said, stop that. Johnny knows how many times it's going to take. He's just counting. (laughs) Most of the time, what's going to happen, that volcano is going to go off at about 15 times. This is the last time I've told you, Johnny, stop it. Well, first of all, that hollering ain't fixing nothing. That rage is not fixing anything. And he needs to learn. And you can do that. You can teach a child at home to listen and to obey the very first time you tell them something. It's all up to your training. That's why he's a train up a child in the ways you go. Training is totally different than, than just raising kids. You train them to listen. I'm, this, here's the sad truth. Most people's dogs obey better than their kids. And here's what I can't understand. They'll, get, they'll go buy a book. How to Train Your Dog. Page one, forward. And they'll study how to train that dog. Our dog always tells me when he wants to go outside to the bathroom. Our dog's saying, your children over there tearing up Jack. You talk to them, won't even pay attention. But your dog's always going. Uh, a guy I work with, he's got a dog. I'm this honest truth. If he tells that dog to get in that Jeep and sit there for six hours, he will sit there six hours. I mean, that, and you know what that dog loves? He'll come right there and put his head right between his head. That dog will mind him right now. I'm going to tell you something. Listen, we're not army sergeants. We're not talking about marching, giving people orders. We're just talking about teaching to obey and to listen. As I said, the running and playing in church for me, to, I'm going to say another thing. Church is over. Teach your kids not to be out there among the cars backing up. Yeah. And going forward, okay? If anything like that ever happened here, nobody's going to, I'm not going to, but I'm going to say, I pray to God it never will. But it will help. If, if my grandkids are with me, I, last thing I tell them before they get out of care, watch the traffic. Yeah. 
Don't just run across the churchyard. Be careful. That's why it's important for them to respect. Have a good balance of respect and reverence with joy in the church house. I'm going to tell you something I believe with all my heart. Do not allow children to fight at home. Don't allow your children to fight at home. They'll just be fighting everybody the rest of their lives. Here at church, no spankings in the bathrooms or the nursery. Your child cuts up, needs a spanking. I do not want you spanking him in front of anybody here. I don't want you spanking them in the nursery. I don't want you spanking them anywhere. You go out to your car or go off down that woods about a half a mile. And it's going to have to happen. I remember going out in the car with my first son. And I mean, tell you what, the fight was on about, about mind and obedience. And I had to just stay with him. I missed the whole church service. I missed the whole church service. But I stayed with him. And you need to get along with your child. My mother never had a nursery. She didn't need a nursery. She was the sheriff, the judge, and the executioner. <laughs> Always get along. I want to say this to you again. Never in front of the church folks or anybody else. Don't try to impress people with your discipline of your children. And don't wait till you get to church to train them. Yep. Yep. Don't wait to get here and train them. Act in appropriate time to crying. Be considerate of the Lord's services. You're, if you've got babies and you bring them in church, you're training them. They're going to cry. I've been there. We've done that. We know all about it. But don't let it bug you. Just, if it gets out of hand a little bit, just go back there and start teaching, training them, come back in. May have to go out 15 times in service. I don't know. By that 15th time, though, I'd be sitting at the back of the church. I think. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, use some sense, but train them. Um, don't let your pride rule in this area. It's a normal part of parenting. You're not the first ones ever had a baby that cried. Babysitters in daycare, I want to say something to you. Be careful about who you let keep your children. Amen. I want to encourage you. I had a granddaughter walk up to me last week. She says, Grandpa, listen. I said, what's going on? She said, just listen. Cleaning and scrubbing can wait till tomorrow. For babies grow up, we've learned our sorrow. So quiet down cobwebs and dust go to sleep. I'm rocking my baby and babies don't keep. And then she said, you know, one minute you're just like this. And the next thing you know, you're just like this. <laughs> I said, you got it down. You got it right. You got it right. You say, Reggie, what are you talking about? I'm talking about spending time with the kids. Those days going to slip away. Spend it with your children. Spend it with your children. The child that never learns to obey his parents will never learn to obey God. And he'll suffer all his life for it. I close in saying this. If you want to stuff your pillows with thorns, with sleepless nights, do these things. Dote on your children as if they were God Almighty. I want to say this to you. After 40 years of pastoring, one of the worst sins I've seen in church that brings more destruction than probably any one issue I know of besides just gossip and defiling is parents making idols out of their own children. Everybody's against my child. Teacher don't like my child. And you take up his case and believe everything is... Did you know your child has the capacity to lie? The worst thing I've said... I'm telling you, you listen to me. People making idols out of their own children. 
just think they can't do anything wrong and anybody that don't go along with what they're doing is a bad person. I could tell you, I could write a book on this. I've seen it so many times in this church. Make, I mean, you know, if, if start blaming anybody and everybody for the problems their own kids have. But you just dote on them like they were idols and I'll tell you what, you'll have a mess. Believe they're better than other people and make them think so too. That'll ruin your night's sleep later on. Number three, take their side against teachers and the law and, and all authority. They're all against my baby. My baby, my, my boy, he, he had liquor and dope and was running 90 miles an hour and, and the law is just against him. Yeah, I've seen it. Well, I know he wasn't doing everything right, but they didn't have to treat him like that. Oh, really? And never, never act like, you know what, that might have cut my, they might have kept my child from being killed. If you want to ruin your child, buy and provide everything he wants down at the store. Everything he wants, just buy it. Give it to him. And never require him to work. Let him sit in front of the TV or on the phone all the time and never work. Allow him to talk back at you and everybody else. That'll ruin him good. That's something I'll tell you, tell you I can't hardly stand. His kids bad mouthing their parents. That about makes me want to vomit. But I know whose fault it is. Deny them nothing they scream for. Let them read, watch, and wear, and indulge in whatever their fleshly appetites desire. And you be so busy with your career that you lose them. Let the world educate them and tell them what to believe. And you'll raise a bunch of rebels. Let's stand together.